Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the TNT Hoops Pod. We're here with your co-host, Quiddy Slangle. Quiddy, what's up? What's a good answer? Um, also here with our new producer, Derek Slangle. What's up, D? Thank you for having me. Um, we're here just to discuss the Sixers once again. A uh, 7-4 stretch right now against teams that are over 500. Um, starting, I think, around the 17th of January. And we're here to just recap some of that, some of the trade deadline moves, and also some league-wide uh, discussion as well, um, including the All-Star Game MVP talks. Um, thank you once again for listening, um, and we hope to start pumping out content on a more regular basis from here on out. So, Quiddy, just to begin, um, let me just get some of your initial thoughts on this past 11 games, starting on the 17th of January against Indiana. Um, just give me your initial just overview. Yeah, so the Indiana game, uh, completely different team at that time. Uh, we had Wilson Chandler still, obviously, Shamit. This was before the Tobias trade. Um, Jimmy Butler had a strong game. <clears throat> uh, I think Indiana was kind of struggling at the time, too. They had all the people at the time, but, you know, they, they weren't really getting it together. And I think Embiid had a strong game. Butler had a good game. Mm-hmm. And we ended up pulling that out, kind of set the tone for the, you know, that little brutal stretch we had moving forward. Yeah, and just to kind of go on top of that, uh, we had that, what was it, like a four-game home stretch. Um, and I think the notable wins within that were Houston, uh, where Harden scored 37, but we held them to eight free throws. We played really good team held defense. Held them to eight free throws, yeah. That's hilarious. Um, yeah. That's for, yeah, that works now. Right. Yeah, for one of the league-leading free throws. And then the loss to OKC was pretty tough. Um, just as you can see, Paul George uh, really started to turn on his MVP run, hit that late fourth quarter three, uh, the and one on Jimmy Butler after a turnover. Right. Paul George has so many tough shots, too. I was listening the other day. They were saying the degree of difficulty for these three-point shots that guys take now. Like, Paul George is a perfect example. Like, between the legs, step back, you know, yeah. and one three. Like, that's his type of shot now. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, and then to close out uh, that homestand. Yeah, he, he might have cut you off, but he was killing us. Paul yeah. George was killing us bad. And I think that was one of those games, too, where Russ kind of just let Paul George take the driver's seat right. uh, late in the fourth quarter. Which he should always do. Yeah. Did you all know that? Paul George never hit um, game winners before that? Yeah, it was a stat. What was it? A stat that uh, he never hit a shot like under five seconds. He was like 0 for 13. He hasn't he hasn't put a, like a game winning field goal. Uh, you know, he's 0 for 13. I was like, I remember seeing that stat like last year or so. I think he had a couple this year, so that's definitely changed. Yeah. Um, since then, because he's the one I guess the Sixers to put him ahead. Yeah, the more you're in those positions, I think the like we'll see right. Paul George isn't it terrible player by any means late game so i think that will start to come to, to come to the light a little bit more his late right. game abilities the numbers will yeah so then yeah we had houston we had san antonio yeah that was a really good coaching game by i think brett brown um they kind of give the blueprint a little bit i think for the past couple of runs where they're forcing him be really far away from the block um la was making him start about 15 away from the basket right. every single time you gotta have like you gotta have like vets though like veteran you know, bigs that can kind of understand spacing every inch on the court and yeah. making it be start. Like as soon as he so gets far, under the three-point line. He still finished with 33 and 19. Mm-hmm. Um, ben Simmons was great late in that game. Uh, I think we were down eight. Okay, yeah. And, you know, we made, like a t- I think it was like a 10-0 run. I think J.J. hit a three. I think Ben had a dunk in transition to get it all started. J.J. hit a three. Uh, off that one-two uh, screen and roll that they usually do, you know, to end games. 
and we just like executed. Like Ben was just making plays in transition. Yeah. So that was you know Brett Brown coached a good game. I know he loves beating his old. It was awesome to see too yeah. to see us close out a late game, like right. which was kind of the start of I think um, a good stretch. And then for after that we went to Denver. We went to Denver. And yeah, without him beating Butler, that game's kind of a wash. Butler was out. Wilson Chandler was out. So we were down three starters. Yeah, guys that Brewer had to play thirty-two minutes. Um, Corey Bruce James. wasn't even on the team anymore. Yeah. Um, Shake Milton played a lot of minutes that yeah, game too, like twenty plus. Yeah. Uh, so and Denver also played well. I think that was Jokic's first game back. He had what do you have like twenty six points. So it, it's tough to play a team like that with not to always bring the altitude like a talking head on TV, but going into Denver is always Man, tough. Uh, we didn't have our play. We would have beat them if we had everybody. Yeah. I don't give a damn about no damn altitude. <laughs> they just, I don't care about that shit. All right. So then after that, we yeah. had the we game. Went to LA. Yeah. The, uh, we played a shorthanded Lakers team. Uh, shorthanded, yeah, a.k.a. No LeBron. No, no, they, had, they didn't have Brown, they didn't have Kuzma that night. They didn't have... Remember? Ball, yeah, they didn't have Ball. Rondo started that game. And I think Ingram had a really big game against Ingram his dad. 36. Yeah. yeah, he missed like three shots from the field. I think he was like 13 for 16. Mm-hmm. Forced him to 21 turnovers as yeah, a team. but, um, you know, it was, a good, it was a good... It was a good complete game by the Sixers because we had a lead. They had a big lead early. And then, you know, they made their run toward going into halftime. Their building was rocking. You had LeBron up on the bench chair, being a cheerleader and all that. Their building was rocking. Uh, Brandon Ingram dunked on Corey Brewer. And <laughs> mean. We just kind of – we're the better team now. Second half, are we really going to play? And we just took that game over. Yeah. Um, B finished with 28-11-6. Yeah, just was the best player on the floor. Just dominated. So two days later on Thursday on the thirty first, best game of the season. Yeah, best win of the season. Best win of the process so far. Think so? First win against Golden State in six years. In six years, and this is once again before the trade, uh, breaking up. You know, kind of like the surrounding cast around Embiid and Ben. This was still you know with the Shamits and Wilson Chandler's. Ben Simmons played. What you would say his best game as a pro? So yeah, I would said. agree. I would agree with that. Um, just the way he controlled the pace of that game, and uh, just delivered and you know transition, just being just being that guy, being a pest on defense, and uh, for four quarters on you know Curry, Durant. Yeah, very you know engaged. They put him on, very engaged on that end, and just you know kind of making a statement. Yeah. So what I took away from that game. Uh, it was interesting. I think that was one of the first times we experimented with Jimmy playing the point guard for like the first half for yeah. a couple of possessions when Ben came out. Um, I think sometimes we struggled a little bit just with some of the complicated sets that he was running. Like I think he was coming down and just it was the one-two with Embiid like on the wing, um, and then after like there wasn't really a lot of action on the other side of the floor where Ben can kind of whip that pass to the corner. You know what I mean? Just like right. instinctively, like just quickly get everything moving like if the option wasn't there for butler to get the quick bucket off the screen the sc- not the screen the screen the screen yeah the screen, the screen from Embiid. Right. like what do you call that like the iverson cutter whatever that is yeah um, what i mean yeah i know yeah it was just di- it was it was very difficult i guess for butler to um, well, um score with jimmy playing one. i'm sorry to cut you off with jimmy playing the one though I don't think Ben was necessarily on the floor. He wasn't. He wasn't. But that—that—that's exactly, I guess, what I'm trying yeah. to figure out. Like, uh, yeah, how does that work for us? It. They were kind of feeling it out. I like. I think I like how they were starting with that high ball screen, uh, sending Jimmy to his right hand side, 
they're kind of like incorporating that more and more now. But that was the first game they really started, you know. After that's cut off, though, like he wasn't really making a secondary playoff. That I, I guess mean, is what yeah, I, he my concern was. Three, he had shamming in the corner. I mean, okay. Simple plays, but he wasn't forcing an issue. Like I think, I mean, he he facilitated well. Yeah. Um, he didn't force anything. A couple of fans were complaining about some of the turnovers that we had. I think we had 14 total that night, and eight of which came in the first quarter. So, like, if you look at that as just a, from a game standpoint, um, 12, 12 turnovers in the first half, and then only two from the third and fourth two. quarters. Yeah, that was sound. really tough to do against a team like the Warriors. Steph had a great night. I think he finished with 41. So, yeah. we beat the Avalanche. Yeah. So then we went to. Uh, two days later, we went down to Sacramento, and, you know, it was one of those, you come off a high, and you kind of just have to try to balance it out and not, you know, let that carry over. But and other teams see that, too. Great. Like, other teams see that you just beat Golden State, and a team right. like Sacramento is like, all right, well, this is our chance now to get a shot. Yeah, they're home, you know what I'm saying? And I always, I always think teams like Sacramento and, you know, Brooklyn – you know, the teams with the mid-level talent that are young guys, they don't really look at Embiid and Ben Simmons as, you know, these scary guys. Like, they got, the ch- they got that chip on their shoulder, too. Like, all right, they're young and they're superstars. Like, we can do the same thing. Like, what do you think Darian Fox thinks when yeah. he goes against Ben Simmons? Like, oh, yeah, yep. everybody talk about Ben Simmons. Like, I'm just as good as this dude. You know what I mean? Like, it's always things like guys like D'Angelo Russell, Dinwiddie, like all those younger. Dinwiddie's not necessarily young, but all those, you know, mid-level talent guys. Yeah, the guys that don't get that day-to-day respect and recognition. They um, want to go right at, you know, our young superstars. Yeah. So Heald also had a really big game, too. I think oh. he, Buddy Heald, I think he had eight threes that game. Yeah. Jimmy Butler was kind of bad on that end. How much did Heald have that game? game? I think Buddy Heald finished with, as you pull it up. Yeah, I'll take a look um, at it right now. He had a really, like, good game at, like, efficient yeah. and everything. Six threes, I think, within the first oh, three yeah. quarters. And yeah, he was, he was balling. But while you look that up, you uh, healed. Um, they had good minutes from uh, Cauley Stein, you know, on, on Embiid. Embiid finished with 29 17, but Cauley Stein made him work. They had a uh, kid from Duke, the lefty. Bagley, he was playing mm-hmm. well, scoring on Ben Simmons down low. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. They, they, they have a, you know, a solid little core out there in Sacramento. So Buddy Heald that night had 34 points, 34. went 7 from 13 from the three-point range, Jeez, right. and then got to the line four times. I believe um, he's, Buddy Heald is third in the league, I think, and three, he's third in the league and threes made in, like, three-point percentage. Yeah. He's averaging, right. what, like, about 20? Average, average, like a smooth, yeah. yeah, the smooth 20. Right now, his three-point percentage, he's shooting at a remarkable 45, 45%, yeah, 45.5, so 46%. 85% from the free throw line, um, averaging 20 points per game. So three years, uh, just he's really developed into one of the better two guards in the league. I would definitely say um, rounding out the top six of the two guards right now. Yeah, okay. I'll give him that. All right, so we um, – After that, that we Tuesday, had a – we went and played Toronto. Yeah. And they put a – it was a pretty convincing win. We were kind of like fighting back, you know, in the second half. I remember Landry Shamit last game as a sixer. He had a four-point play in the corner. Um, got taken away? It was a four-point play that got taken away. Yeah. Um, questionable call. He said he kicked his Let's leg call out. It, what it, is. it was terrible. It was a terrible call. Yeah. Right? But, you know, that's how the ball ruled that night. And uh, it's actually kind of ironic because I was reading something that was saying all the fans, there was a couple fans sitting there on brand that game saying, oh, and make a move, make a move, make a move. And this was the last, you know, last 
game, I guess, necessarily before the trade deadline. Yeah. Because the trade deadline was, what, Friday? That Friday? Or yeah. no, that Thursday, maybe? That no. Thursday. It, it was that Thursday, and we played Denver Friday. So we played, it was after the Toronto game. So, so we played, Toronto yeah. was a Tuesday. I think the trade deadline was Thursday. No. Yeah, it was Tuesday, and the trade deadline was Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, before the Denver game. So, yeah, looking back. Like, so there were fans telling Long Brand, make a move, make a move, and here we go with the blockbuster trade. Yeah. And, and we pick up Tobias Harris, Boban, Boban, Marjanovic, and uh, Mike Scott from the Clippers yeah. for Landry Shamit, Wilson Chandler, uh, Mike Muscala, and what, two first round, two first rounders, one second rounder? Yeah, so a 2021, 2022 Miami first rounder, and then okay. a 2021, 2023 uh, second round picks as well. Right. Um, that's what we gave to uh, L.A. Okay. Um, so that was a trade, you know, shaking up our whole roster. Yeah, announced the T seventeen AM by Wolves. Going into the Denver game, and we got a win in our first game with you know all our new guys together, our new potent star lineup with you know Ben at the one, JJ at the two, Jimmy Butler at the three, Tobias at the four, and Joel B at the five. Tobias just being such a versatile, you know, scorer outside perimeter threat just mm-hmm. opens up everything else for, you know, the rest of the team. It's kind of showed over the last, you know, two games he's played. The Denver game kind of showed, you know, Denver game shows like a sneak peek, but today against the Lakers, you know what I'm saying, it kind of showed, it showed much more, you know, with him scoring 22, so. Yeah, uh, I think just kind of with Harris, uh, Boban, and Scott, being able to play in that first game against Denver, we saw a lot of the things that they're able to bring to the table. Uh, Harris only had 14 points that night, but um, just he's really comfortable uh, playing, just getting inserted in like a free flowing offense. Like you can see, I mean, he took the first, he took a shot as soon as he touched the ball, but after that, like he was willing to just kind of dish the ball off and run through all the offensive sets because JJ was having an incredible night. So he just kind of just was able to fit right in into that three-wing role, and it didn't throw anything off, and I think that was where I was most impressed uh, with him in particular. As for Boban, um, there was an interesting stat about his per 100. Uh, he averaged, like, it would be like 35 points per game, um, and obviously that was unrealistic for a guy of his size, but uh, we talked about earlier, he gives you really good stretches for that seven to eight minutes. Yeah, um, he's a problem to handle down, like, below the paint. Like, so, like, tonight when Tyson Chandler wasn't maybe getting a body on him for the offensive rebound. Uh, quick miss right back up. Uh, and it's like you really do have to move someone of that stature out of the paint. Um, for Mike Scott, what do you think about him, I think, after these past two? Yeah, Mike Scott, the first game against Denver, he was, you know, more trying to find his groove, you know, on offensive end, defensive end. But tonight, I mean, today against the – you know, the Lakers at home, I think he was more in a groove, you know, and getting our rotations down. And on offense, he was much more confident, made a play in transition, um, was shooting a shot with confidence. I don't think he made a three, but he was shooting with confidence, wasn't hesitating like he was um, the game prior. Yeah. And just seemed more confident on that end. I think he can be a piece on our bench, not to say necessarily a game changer, but, you know, just a solid guy we can throw out there that's respectable, can guard. He can play minutes in the NBA right. in any game. Right. There's not a game where he gets ran off of the floor. Correct. Um, Here's the thing, though. Not to cut you off, but um, our biggest weakness was in the third quarter scoring game, people who could make plays when 
even when our start was there, we things kind of slowed down. Yeah, slowed down. So right. like keep just helps it keep moving right along in the positive direction. Yeah, uh, him and guys like James Ennis was another guy we brought in for Houston for our. It was like cash considerations. And I think that was relatively it that we left. Jonathan Simmons, Markel Fultz. Yeah. Well, no, I was talking about James Ennis. Oh, Oh, yeah. We brought him from, uh, we released Malachi Richardson and then got him from Houston. So guys like that who can, are really good at catching and shooting, just, it seems really simple, but he doesn't need the ball to make play. You know, like just pound the ball to make plays. He's one of those guys you can kind of just flow into the corner and get, 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 like get his shots in rhythm. Same thing with Jonathan Simmons, who, as you stated, we got for Fultz. Uh, we received back, what, a first-rounder and a second-rounder? Right. But the first-rounder is, I think the first-rounder is a 2020 protected pick from OKC, right, that we gave to them for, I have it right here. Uh, yeah, we originally gave that pick to OKC for Azez. I don't know how to say his fucking name, but. Uh, yeah. If that doesn't come to fruition, then we get two second rounders for 2022, 2023. Right. But those two guys just shout out to my man Quill, who just walked in. Quill's in the building. Um, yeah, those two guys, man, just it, it makes our bench, I think what you said to me earlier in the week, it makes our bench very flexible on a night to night basis, you know? No, it definitely does. Just having veteran guys, you know what I'm saying? Switchable bodies, guys that you can throw out there and they can be able to defend their position. Guys have been in the league, like you said, they don't need the ball to score. You know what I'm saying? They can score off of, you know, the talented starting five we already had. Yeah. So, I think, you know, just the deadline improved our roster. You know, just us becoming more, you know, veteran-oriented. We yeah, have guys with playoff experience. Yeah, like, Simmons has two two playoff series, like, in the Western Conference Finals, like, against OKC, one against – um. Right. Golden State was like what they got swept, and he played relatively well. When Kawhi was off the floor, they would bring him in, and he gave them really good minutes. Really good minutes, and Mike Scott as well. He played on that sixty win Atlanta team, yeah. Team, and he used to you know playing playoff games, you know down stretch. He played against LeBron team, you know that Cavs team. And it's not like he was causing fits, but he was there, and he was a respectable player to be on the floor. Like last year, I think we got caught in situations where Urson, yes, he can create offensively, but on the defense. Can't create, but to an extent, yeah. Issue. And when you get caught on guys like Tatum when he's rolling, or or Brown if he's rolling right. in transition, Any of these guys now can switch on to them. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, we'll see what happens. But like with Ilya Sova and Bellinelli and those dudes, like you knew that was an automatic bucket. Mm-hmm. Like, you knew it was. So right now, I'm just gonna run you through our depth, and we'll close out just of uh, the recent trade deadline, trade deadline acquisitions uh, for the point guard spot. Uh, what do you think? Just Ben Simmons, T.J. McConnell. Yeah, uh, stick with that for now. I think I think that's kind of. I was thinking about that earlier, actually. No bio guys, in um, your opinion, or anybody like that. Uh, they were t- I saw something Jeremy Lin earlier. Uh, I was thinking like, why not playmaker? Kind of yeah. score the ball a little bit. Turnover machine. To, uh, I guess, but so is Ben. With Simmons, this play, with this player. team, you just have to make the easy play. At that point, when you're a point guard, it's really hard to fuck it up. Right. I, I think. But, but I mean, I'm fine with Ben Simmons and T.J. McConnell. I was actually thinking this earlier. Okay. I work in the Wells Fargo Center, and there's a big uh, picture of T.J. and Embiid, and I'm looking at it like, damn, like, well, what T.J. like? T.J. is like one of the guys that actually stuck around since the beginning of the process. So he's just like in this, like he, you know what I'm saying? T.J. McConnell was part of this. So I but feel he like dropped the, out as a spot. I feel like yeah, he, that's what I'm saying. He he came from the bottom, and I feel like he's just earned that spot. And 
the franchise is just like locked in with him and Ben being the two point guards. Yeah, and it, it's good for I think stability. Yeah, as a, guys, right? and it's I think TJ is one of those guys you have around more for just as you said like locker room presence and like you know he's the guy that's willing to do the shit that no one else wants to like he's the first guy off the bench and making like all these hand signals and high fiving guys like it, it seems simple right. but like it's Unless a glue a glue guy yeah a glue guy is really important when you have a guy like a team with a guys with a lot of talent, talent yeah right. that's what i wanted to say um the two guard spot yeah the two guard spots that jj jonathan simmons uh zaire smith who probably won't play this year uh, I think you're comfortable. No, they there. said he, they said they said he will come back this year. Alan Brand expects him back. I think they will throw him out there to see what they can get from him. Maybe he can be a type you can throw out there to guard uh, point guards in the playoffs because of how athletic he is. He's like a six three, six four. Yeah, is athlete. So I think they'll throw yeah, him out like there. Like if Kyrie, if Kyrie is like going on a crazy twelve point stretch, we and we have to pull yeah. Redick off the floor. I feel comfortable maybe having to put Jonathan Simmons on him. You know, instead of like Butler or. Someone else. Uh, so for the small forward position, even though the forward starts to get murky because it's just forwards, period. Uh, Butler, Furcon, Hayward, Howard Smith, who's probably not going to play a minute. Hayward Highsmith. Hayward Highsmith. Yeah. Like he got the weirdest name. I remember Hayward Highsmith. But yeah, I think that's style with Jimmy Butler. Furcon may get some minutes here and there just because he knows, you know, the system. Yeah, it's as really important. Now, I don't know how that is going to be as far as the playoff rotation, but. I don't think Farrakhan's playing bad, so if he was part of the playoff rotation, I, I wouldn't necessarily be mad right now. But he needs to work on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah, and then at the other forward spot, it's Tobias Harris and Mike Scott, and I think Sorry. we both discussed that. Like We, we like just look the length, and they're not elite defenders, but they're playmakers, and they're guys that can stay on the floor for extended stretches. And right. we I don't feel like we'll go down for 15 a lot with those guys. And then to close it out at the center position, Embiid, Boban, Amir, and Justin Patton, who played his first D-League game, I think, last week. Yeah, he so he's working his way back. Two or three games last week. He's playing yeah. pretty well. He kind of stretched the floor. I like them at Korean, but they just said he's raw right now. So Stupid question. What's up? Where's Bolden at? Bolden, right. You're oh, right. I apologize. I apologize. Bolden he'd is be, also on there. He'd be, see, um, this the is, I thought they were going to play him at the 4-5. Like, play both, like, have him playing the four and have him playing the five. Just a little bit of both, probably playing, like, six to eight minutes a night. But he hasn't even been in a rotation. So, yeah. I think it's just win now. You know, develop the young guys on a low and just win now. Yeah. they rather play Mike Scott. It so. stinks, man, because when he does play, like, I, I think I've seen a lot of good stretches from him. Like, right. being able to, when he's the trail guy, uh, just catch. One dribble, make a quick pass to the corner. or Like, he doesn't. He isn't turning the ball over a lot. Like that Golden State game, him and Shaman were six for six to start the game. Um, so they played really well I together. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I think Brett Brown's just figuring it out. And you have a lot of bodies. It's not easy to find everyone minutes on a night to night basis. All right. We're going to close out just our Sixers recap so far. As we said, seven and four in that 11 game stretch. We have Boston on the Tuesday, the 12th. Um, I personally think we'll be favored by like five or six points. Um, that's if Kyrie plays. If he doesn't, by about ten, I think an easy win. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think on paper right now we're better than them. I think they're kind of struggling with chemistry issues, so we should we should take advantage of that. We're at home. We play better at home. We owe them from the you know beginning of the year. What Christmas Day? Yeah, yeah. Christmas uh, Day. We, we played them beginning of the year and Christmas Day, right? 
They beat us twice this yeah, year. Yeah. 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 They killed us in the first one. They killed us in the first game, and then Christmas Day, they beat us. So, yeah, we got to – we should be looking for some revenge. I think we win on Tuesday. Yeah. Um. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick commercial break, even though we got no fucking ads or sponsors yet, and we'll be back. Uh Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to TNT Hoops. Uh, back from our commercial break, uh, we're gonna have Quiddy just bring in some of the league-wide topics. Um, yeah, so what we wanted to discuss today is pretty much just the MVP race. Like, who do we think you know is the most viable player to their team? You know that the award is not necessarily always given to the guy that's you know most viable to his actual team. It's kind of like what it's been in the last couple of years is the best story of the year, basically. You know, who's doing the something new? You know, I said, so now Harden has this, you know, 40-point, I mean, 30-point, what, like 30 games in a row or something like that? Mm-hmm. I think he's got like 28 games in a row right now, something crazy like that. Nobody yeah, it's else, 30. It just hit 30 the other night. It just hit 30. Uh, nobody else but Will Chamberlain has done this. So, who's, the, who's yeah, you know what I'm saying? If you're, if you're going to discuss with Will Chamberlain, you know you're doing something right. So, that's kind of like the best story of the year. Just like, you know, two years ago, Russell Westbrook won um, MVP with a triple-double. And he's been averaging triple-double the last two years. And nobody's even had him in the top, you know, five or ten guys to win MVP. So we just want to discuss the MVP race. Ansel, who do you think it is right now? So currently, if I had to give just a place in voting, it would be Giannis at number one. um, Then Harden at number two just because of carrying his team from 11th place in the West to about 4th or 5th. Then I have Paul George just for his January, early February stretch of, I think, averaging like 27 points per game. And then I would round that out with Joel Embiid, uh, strictly off consistency, 27-10 and like three assists. Um, right. So, so that's my four, too. I would just switch Harden and Giannis. I think Harden's MVP right now. Um not necessarily to say he's the most viable player to his team, but he's just, like I said, it's always based off that story. And I think they're going to give it to him because he has the story of the year. Just, you know, like you said, 30 straight, over 30 games, like 30-point games. That's that's ridiculous. So with Giannis, you don't – you're not buying the whole Milwaukee Bucks best having – Best team on the best – best player on the best team. Yeah, and, and it's not like – He's doing it in an inefficient manner. Like right. I think a lot of people, a lot of the writers who a big portion of the vote goes to, um, like the efficiency aspect of his game where right, right, right. he's wow. scoring underneath the rim, other his teammates are involved. So if, if Giannis were to disappear, maybe the Bucks could still rattle off three out of five games. Whereas if Harden's not playing, like I kind of worry about the Rockets and the style of play they'd have to right. kind so of adjust to. Who are you? I'm taking Gian. I'm just saying because you you said you would switch Giannis and Harden. Oh yeah. And I'm, I'm just, just kind of giving you the devil's advocate. Number one for MVP right now. Like okay. he's he's my top candidate, and then Giannis would be a close second. I'm who just who would you Harden. rather start your team with? Uh, Giannis. Giannis. Yeah, I think I was right. Yeah. Giannis. If you if you could be the coach though, and you had both skill sets. Giannis. Okay. Um, like you said, the whole efficiency thing. Like, I think all that stuff matters. Yeah. Um, both ends of the floor matter. Right, Giannis doesn't even get credit for as how good of a defender he actually is, yeah. just because how freakish he is on offense. Yeah. He's just they freakish on, safety on defense for for the most part. Yeah, they they you know let them so. get away with playing that small lineup with him at the five a lot. Like they, obviously, if you play a team 
like the 76ers, where we have Joel Embiid. Giannis isn't going to get away with playing the five. Like well, they have to play Brook Lopez. That's kind of why Milwaukee's excelling. Because remember, Brook Lopez. Brook Lopez is on the floor, but when they want to go, so when they start blowing oh, teams out, ball, yeah, yeah like against the Wizards the other night, that 50 point first quarter, like when they pull off Brook Lopez, like it's now Middleton, Brogdon, Giannis, uh, and Eric Gordon. Not Eric Gordon, um, Bledsoe. So like that. That lineup is just really scrappy defensively, and like they're gonna push the pace up and down the floor. Um, okay, so yeah, so you'd say um, Giannis is the MVP right now. I'd say Harden. We yeah. have different reasons. Um, I think Giannis is the better player to build a team around, but I just think they're gonna give Harden the MVP just because you know best story here. Like I was saying. So next topic we wanted to bring in. I wanted to bring in is what do you think about? LeBron James and the Lakers right now, just the, the current situation. Is he ruining the Lakers? Is he bringing a toxic vibe to the team, to the organization? Um, is he is he hurting more than he's helping? Right? Um, they're what they're. I think they're a game below five hundred now, maybe five hundred. Okay. Um, what do you what do you think about that current situation? So I would like to preface my upcoming statements or little rant. Bear with me. With I think LeBron James is the best player in the NBA and the best player in the world, but. For the brown sexuals. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. This is this, how he brought it in. Though. He about to get real disrespectful. <laughs> this is the craziest fucking shit ever for the greatest player in the world to be doing. Like, let's just take you through a timeline of the past two weeks. So, LeBron has his agent, Rich Paul, who he's not associated with. I'm going to let you know I'm playing devil's advocate, but keep going. He has his agent, Rich he Paul. He has his agent, Rich Paul, kind of leaked to the media um, that Anthony Davis wants to get traded from the New Orleans Pelicans. Effectively, basically, the, the Los Angeles Lakers are trying to force the Pelicans into trading AD to them. Um, no other team except for the Boston Celtics can give a liable offer right now in the season or want to blow up their team. Uh that's step one. The Lakers then throw in all of their young players who they've had for, what, two years maybe, a bunch of 19, 20-year-olds, guys like Kyle Kuzma, uh, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart. Not young, but yeah, okay. y- young enough to yeah, where young, they're, they're getting comfortable right. with their organization. They're, they're best friends with the trainer in the locker room. They, they're gelling with Luke Wall and right. things like that. Um, then – the the loss was it the loss lost to who was Indiana. the Indiana. Indiana. Uh, <laughs> That's after wasn't that after the trade deadline or that was a day of the day of uh, the it was day, the day, day, day before, before the trade deadline. Um, but after they lost the big, huh? After they lost Oladipo, yeah, yeah. So Oladipo's been gone for about two weeks, but yeah. so and in that game, I don't take too seriously the guys not sitting next to LeBron on the bench. But what I do take seriously is when there was a timeout, LeBron's just looking at his fingernails on the bench, and they're down, like, 35. So it's the you greatest. You do what you want when you pop it. Yeah, man. like, I mean, that's okay, I and mean, I'm not going to give you that much slack. Um, but that night, LeBron also went into the top five in scoring. Um, posted an Instagram picture right afterwards, which, in, in my opinion, you lose by 42, you, you'd be silent, but to each his own. Um, some players Nah, think, it's different. That's a different type. Yeah, that, that's a crazy accomplishment, but yeah, that's yeah. not. Yeah, Right, that's not something you do every night. I don't care. You don't if have you to lost by sixty-eight. You don't have to toot your <laughs> own. I, I, I mean, that's like you said, to each his to own. To each his own. Finish your point. Um, right. After that, LeBron says we should stay off the media. We should focus on basketball. And then uh, next day, Harrison Barnes gets traded mid-game, and LeBron has all this to say about 
how an organization doesn't treat players, right? And it's just kind of a really mistimed comment by LeBron. Well, not the obvious, I gotta say. That was yeah, that, always does. That was weird. I, I didn't understand that. Yeah. I agree. And all and and you you still may think okay, well, what, that was what ob- like so not to cut you off, but that was obvious in a manner. Like, what did he think? How did he how did he think people were going to receive that? Like, obviously, you're trying to take some smoke off your ass for like the whole situation going on out yeah. there. So like. I just thought that was like a weird move, but LeBron and, always playing chess. And all this is, it's just kind of just rocking the boat, you know. I think it's never a smooth ride with LeBron if he's the captain and the leader of your team. Like last year, looking at LA's young core, you, you would think, hey, listen, we have Luke Walton, we have three or four guys that we can move forward with. And if we bring LeBron James, like it's only up from here. And it is going up, and they still are probably a top five team in the West, but it's like a night to night storyline with LeBron. And I think players that just want to play basketball, as Katie used to always say, is gets really annoying. I think it's one of the reasons Kyrie left, even though he's begging to come back. But it just kind of fucking sucks, man. Like, for the greatest player in the world on a night-to-night basis, it's just always a storyline. Like, he's pouting. or like, Right. So, okay, so I would say, so what, what, will your, what will your answer be to, is LeBron ruining in the Lakers? Is he is he hurting more than he's helping? So they're still going to make the playoffs. They're still going to beat like OKC or Denver in the first round if they run into them. If they, or if they run, if they're the eight seed and the Golden State's number one seed, they're fucked. But I don't see. I don't think they'll be eight though. I think they'll get in the they needs, can sneak up into the five he, six five six range. Yes, like, they'll get hot. Like, so yeah, I, I, two I things. I agree with they're that. They're going to get healthy. Lonzo's going to be back after the break. They're going to get healthy. They're going to get high and win games. LeBron not just going to be sitting around losing. <laughs> I I do think though that yeah. LeBron LeBron has started to cause enough dysfunction to where it makes guys like Luke Walton uncomfortable. And I'm not saying that he, it's uncomfortable to where he should get fired and, and move on, but it's not good for your locker room on a West Coast or an East Coast road trip when you have to play Boston, even though they hit the game winner, and then have to come and play Philly. And I, I, I don't know if they're done or not, but having to do that and also deal with the fucking side zone circus and Magic Johnson coming in and having to diffuse – all of the, like the tension. hurting more than help. <laughs> right. I mean, he, he's helping, but dude, is that what you want as a Lakers fan? You know, like yeah, it comes along with winning, but you're not going to win a championship. So you know, Quill's in the room. Quill, what do you think? Like, is this worth? Is this up and down roller coaster worth? Maybe waking the Western Conference Finals and losing in five games. Is this roller coaster ride uh, worth it enough to make the Western Conference Finals and lose in five games? So we got we got a Lakers fan that didn't even want LeBron from the beginning. Yeah, he probably, so <laughs> probably seen a few of us around. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think it's worth it, man. I, I honestly would have rather like a, a Paul George or, or somebody like that to come in and help us out and then bring another big name. But you got to kind of yeah. roll with the punches right now. And as it sits right now, it doesn't seem as if the Lakers are going to get another piece. Like if you were if you were to ask me, um, New Orleans probably isn't going to trade AD to LA in the summertime because they can't give them the best offer. And then if you're going to wait till LeBron's 36 for him to get there, that's kind of just a waste of two years of his career. Yeah. So. What do you think? Cause. All right. So just to wrap that all up, uh, we all bounced around our thoughts about it. I think. Um, I think it's always going to be. There's always going to be something with him just because of who he is. It's not he's not just a basketball this basketball player at this point. Like he stands for so much, you know, just being like that. He's at that mogul status. So I think that's him going to LA and doing all that. They just trying to figure it out though. Um, I think they're trying to build their best the best championship team. Like Ansel, you saying all this stuff about 
You know what I'm saying? He forced a trade here and there. Like, it's a business at the end of the day. So, he's trying to win. If that's the direction Magic and, you know, their front office want to go, then that's just kind of what you got to live with. But live since, with. Since, since it didn't happen, I still think they, they got young guys. They got a lot of talent in that locker room. They could turn it up a little bit, and they can make the Western Conference Finals if LeBron's on his shit. But yeah, 100%. But I, think, I think Golden State ultimately beats anybody in the West. So, I think. Uh, yeah. Good luck, Brian. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> Living over here in the East, baby. We living. We living large. <laughs> All right. To wrap this up, um, yeah, I said you, you got to put this in perspective. The question was, is he helping or hurting? You can't. You'll never. You can never say LeBron is hurting a team, but yeah. is is the the help is it worth, worth it? it? Is it is it worth is the, the roller coaster? Right. Is that question? Right now, now exactly. it's yes. It is worth it because they weren't making the playoffs. They haven't made the playoffs. Forever, it's still a le- so. Let me let me let me say you a scenario in an alternate universe. Okay. If LeBron doesn't go to LA, and another guy like Paul George sees it open, or Kawhi Leonard and say, "Huh, I can go with Lonzo Ball, okay. Kuzma, Ingram, and I'm the centerpiece guy." You don't think just a quiet LA team where they're just a nice well, building team with Kawhi, and then maybe they have a chance of getting more helpful. But that doesn't mean LeBron isn't helping. If that makes sense, that just means there's people that can help more. I'm not saying they would help more, but okay. you you get the same you get a lesser amount of help mm-hmm. with less of a circus. Though you know what I'm saying for okay. for an organization to grow, like no, no, think I how agree. much better it would be if you have a quiet star like George or a guy that doesn't bring the whole media attention on a night to night basis. I'm not well, saying they would be better with this guy, but, but the Lakers team will always bring media attention. It's it's not to the LeBron brings his own like it's it's a different gravity no, of media it, attention but, where he has the guys that have been covering him since he was 16 years old plus the national media plus the LA media no, plus the saying, to, so it's it's a different type of when you're the greatest player in the world on the team yeah, um and but, especially when the greatest player in the world not to cut you off no, when good. the greatest player in the world is as talkative about everything yeah. You know, and I'm not saying he's more than an athlete. You you should talk and you should have your uh, an opinion. But when you're that talkative, I think you have to choose your words wisely. And I don't think he's been doing that as of late. Yeah. Yeah, but it's no more sneak dissing on that bitch ass Instagram. Right, was like fuck out of here. Oh my god, we're gonna end that. We're gonna end it there. Uh, We're gonna end it there. Answer things, LeBron. We're what we're basically saying: Is it worth it? And you say, yeah. Yeah, it's worth it if you want to have a fucking migraine. And when you're losing 5-1 or 4-1 in the Western Conference Finals, was this was this season, was it worth all this fucking headache just to get smoked by the Warriors? No. Like, right, man, <laughs> my man, listen, my man's trying to win a chip, man. We're going to leave it there. All right. And uh, with the with, so the last topic we want to cover is with all the moves made out east, uh, just the notable ones I just want to name. The Sixers got much stronger, you know, adding Tobias Harris, a couple of role guys, trading uh, their former number one pick, Marco Fultz, for Jonathan Simmons and a couple picks, um, getting James Ennis. Um, the Raptors got much stronger, picking up Marcus Saul, 34-year-old Marcus Saul. Yeah, I think that, they got that move just to combat the just, size that we have at center. Right, just to, you know, help out with some length and some – you know, just being able to bang down there, like I guess Embiid and you know some of the big boys in the East. And I think Gasol's only averaging like seven points a game this year, and he started off the season really slow. No, he yeah. had a good January. I heard he did have a good January. So, yeah, um, I will pull it up for you right now. You can keep going though. Yeah. So then, um, the Bucks 
you know, they flipped off, I believe, Stanley Johnson. Yeah, so they traded Thon Maker for Stanley Johnson and... Thon Maker for Stanley Johnson, and then they flipped them to Meritage. Mm-hmm. They ended up getting Meritage. Long story short, the Bucks have uh, Nikola Meritage adding some shooting, you know, to come, to go with Giannis' style of play of, you know, getting in the lane and making plays for others. Yeah, so himself. F- to go back, uh, Gasol's only averaging seven and six this year. Um and one assist, so it's probably it's definitely his worst year in his eleven year right. career. Stats wise, um, and you know Boston is Boston. So what we were saying is, well, what I want the question I want to propose to you is, do you believe that the East is better than the West, just overall as a conference? So yeah, when I look at a conference top to bottom, has the East surpassed the West? Because you know. Over the last couple of years, people say the West is better. Not yeah, that that has been the narrative. Been the narrative for and there are more quality. Now. If you're if you're looking from like a league pass perspective on a night's night, where you're going to get the better batch of games is probably going to be in the West. Correct. I believe, yeah, I agree with that. Um, but if you're looking for the top tier teams in a conference, like your top five teams, um, excluding Golden State, which is by far the best team in the NBA. After that, it's Houston. It is. OKC, it is what is it, Minnesota, and what are you naming the the top eighteen, the top five or six teams in the West. In the West, oh no, Minnesota. Yeah, I'm not not Minnesota, Denver. So, got, so it's OKC, you got, uh, Denver. Golden State, then you got um, Denver, then you got OKC, then you have Portland, and then at five, who you have at five? Um, that always switches because they have a crazy drop off. At five, you have Houston. I'll bring it up. I got the standings right here. At six, you have Utah. At seven, you have uh, the Spurs. And at eight, you have the Clippers, who may fall off after, you know, trading Tobias. And then fighting right there for that nine and ten, trying to get to that eight seed. And you got Sacramento, you got the Kings, and you got the Lakers. So. I'm more worried if you look at then the top four in the East. So for the second round of the playoffs, uh, matchup-wise, like if you have teams like Milwaukee, Toronto, Philadelphia, Boston, right. like on a night-to-night basis, that's ridiculous. The the, like the you flip can, you can go into the you can go into the semifinals in the East and just not know how it's going to come yeah. out. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. In the West, yeah. you know Golden State's going to beat you know Portland if they match up in the second round. If Boston matches up with Milwaukee again, they can easily take them out. They can and, beat them, right. Yeah. To to be fair, that doesn't make them better. That means. Golden State just wrecks their conference. Yeah, we don't yeah. have a Golden State in the East. No, because I, I, I disagree because I think if Golden State played the Sixers, like it really could, out of ten times in a series, Golden State would win that series six times. Whereas, right, I'm just saying. Um, well, other teams. That, no, I'm just saying like that needs to be said to make, the, to make your point that the East might be better. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so that's all. Yeah, exactly. So Golden State – I mean, like you said, they don't. We don't have a Golden State in the East because there's four teams, like probably a smidge below Golden State. Yeah. Right. In in the West, you have Golden State, and you got then you got Golden State, and then everybody else is. The Nuggets you know, have zero chance against yeah, Golden State. Steps below. Like ten right. out of ten series, they are not going so to like beat I've, Golden State in seven game series. Exactly. Same thing with Oklahoma City. Same thing with Portland. Right. Houston maybe, but not this year. I think no, Houston isn't as year. good this year. Not Utah. Utah no. no. San Antonio no. L A no. Right. Like. The only L.A. team is the Lakers, and that's if LeBron James is going off for 45. Not even. Not even, though. So yeah. Like, it's just, no. I mean, yeah, the Golden, State, Golden State is dominant, but when you look down, when you look throughout the West, throughout it's, you know, it's consistent with, you know, quality teams. But you, those top four or five, 
if you know Oladipo doesn't get hurt, and in the end, those top four or five teams in the East are just so strong, like yeah. that. That those last two rounds are just going to be, yeah. you know, so crazy. So if I was answering the question, I would say the East has surpassed surpassed the West. Because I mean, what do you what, what do we watch for? We watch for the playoffs. Yeah. We watch who's who's going to you know defend for that champion, go for that championship. So and to be I'm fair, West the West has the depth of the concerts. If you want to give it that accolade, because yeah, the depth. Yeah. Uh, Dallas Mavericks, Minnesota. <laughs> Uh, New Orleans, Memphis, and Phoenix is probably the worst yeah. team in the league, but <laughs> like, so that's 15 out of 16 teams that are better for the viewer on a night-to-night basis. But just well, around that, like you said, all we care about here is the playoffs um, and who can give the best teams a run for their money. Uh, I don't know if we have any more topics. What else we got? You got anything else on there? That's all I got for tonight. Yeah. Uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to the AKA Pod, or I'm sorry, formerly known as the AKA Pod, now known as the TNT Hoops Pod, also known as Two Niggas Just Talking Basketball. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. We, as I said at the beginning of the episode, gang gang, we plan to have a lot more episodes coming out for you after the All Star Blake. Um, yeah, we out of here, baby. Yeah, a dollar about a dollar. Something, something, make a mouse on my Quick baskets, you already know where I'm at. Y'all know where to follow me at. Slang Hoops Chat on Twitter and Instagram. Ansel No Gretel on Twitter and Ansel and Gretel on Instagram. But I'm talking Philly on everything. Yeah. Yes, sir.